Your toes, Roger. Well, we're in the middle of a, a series at the moment called Clean, and I'm going to knock these stands over, so I'm going to move them because I'm going to pace a bit, I think. I just got a, a pacing vibe in me this morning. And we're talking about the fact, last, last week we, well, sorry, the very first week um, we, we looked at the fact that we overcomplicate faith. And that really God has a really simple process of wanting us to begin. But because of our, our pride and because of the way that we want God to do things, we make it way more complicated than it needs to. But the, the bottom line is that God has a heart and a desire. And we looked at this, this uh, last week is to make us clean. All of us clean. Uh, every part of who we are clean. So not just physically, but also mentally. Not just mentally, but also spiritually. And we put spiritually off to the side last week. And I touch on it this week as we're going to look at how God cleanses our hearts. And you might go, well, do we really need God to cleanse our hearts? Well, I love my kids. My kids are great, particularly now that they're adults. And, uh, and, and particularly now that they've got kids of their own to torment them. Um, but I, I, I love them. And, and, and Kelly loved them a- as well. But there is one thing that I'm 100% sure of, is that my wife and I didn't work in tandem together, me being the bossy one and she being the gentle one, and then she being the bossy one and me being the gentle one. I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. Uh, They would have been the scourge of the world. If we didn't discipline our children as they were growing up, they would have been evil incarnate. Not because they've got our genetic material, that might have something to do with it, but purely because every parent knows that a child that is left undisciplined always gravitates towards destruction. I remember, you know, you, you, you hear a sound outside that's abnormal and your thought doesn't go, they're singing worship songs to God. <laughs> Does it? Your first thought goes, oh my God, what have they killed and who have they destroyed? That's, that's where your thoughts go. I think one day I heard that, Kelly heard that sound, I don't think it was me, I think it was Kelly, and my son was rolling over my daughter with a sack truck because he thought it was fun. Because there's a part of who we are as human beings that unless we are disciplined, we always err towards the side of destruction. We always do. Without something to step in and to, and to guide us and to teach us a different way, we descend into darkness. We descend into destruction. And everyone says, you know, God made us good and he did. And he made us to be in relationship with him. And if we're out of relationship with him, then we just start sliding into destruction the same way as a child who is left undisciplined by an adult will automatically slide into destruction. 
my mother, who doesn't believe in God yet, that's my prophecy, she'll go, you know, Barry, you know, the world's not that bad. And, and because she loves books, I said, have you read The Lord of the Flies? Because The Lord of the Flies is a book about a group of kids being marooned on an island and them de- descending into chaos and evil. She goes, well, I see your point. Our hearts are capable of great things. Our lives are capable of great things. There is goodness in us. There is us who, who, who sees our potential and our goodness and, and, and believes that we can do great things in this world. And that is a gift from God. But there's also a part of us, if we're really honest with each other, that turns dark and that is broken and that, that struggles. And there's a part of us that, from a very early age, loves to hide things. If, if we want to explore why our hearts need healing, the beginning of Genesis is a really good place because it, it you know, a lot of people say it's the creation of the world story. No, I think it's, it's the creation of our relationship with God's story. And, and that God has, has made us to be in relationship with him. And you remember the, the story of Adam and Eve at the, at the tree with the fruit, for some reason has become an apple, and I'm not really sure why. And... And there they are tempted with these words. If you eat of this fruit, then you will be like God. And from the time that that we participated in that story, there's been a part of us that wants to be like God. And what was the consequence? Well, the consequence was a couple of, uh, a chapter over where it says, and God was walking through the garden wanting to be in relationship with man. And they were hiding from him. And he goes, where are you? And we go, we're hiding because we're naked. And this is the nature of sin. The nature of sin is simply this, that we want to be our own God. We want to do life our way, like every child wants to do life their way. And the result of sin is that we want to hide things deep down in our hearts. And we want to hide from God and we want to hide from others. And this is the nature of the human heart that left without the relationship with God descends into hiding and into chaos and into darkness and into brokenness. And it affects every part of who we are. It reflects our actions, it reflects our thinking, and it reflects our words. And we've all had those thoughts that we don't want to share with other people because they're just too dark. We've all done something to another person or even to ourselves that we know that is not right, that is destructive. We've all said things that if we could turn back time, if we could do it again, we just wouldn't go there. 
There is a part of who we are as human beings that is not the way that God intended us to be. We have so much potential, so much love to give, so much joy to experience. But this thing called sin tells us that we can do it on our own, that we can do it our way, that tells us that that we're okay when we're not, that convinces us that we need to hide things from the people that we love and even try and hide things from God. And although we might have heard this a thousand times before, there's still a temptation in you and in me going, you know what, I can do this thing called life on my own. I've got it covered. I've got it sorted out. Somehow I think that I know more than what God does. That that the way I can do things will turn out okay. But that's just not the reality of it. And this morning we're going to be looking at a bit of scripture that has a a lot of backstory. And the scripture comes about King David. And, And we're going to be exploring the prayer of King David. But King David was someone who was celebrated, who had a heart like God's. Wouldn't you like that to be your title? Just insert your name. A heart like God's. That'd be kind of cool. Here comes Alison, the heart like God's. Here comes Tony, the heart like God's. It's got a good ring to it, doesn't it? But even when he had that title and he'd done great things with God, fell into doing things his own way, being his own God. Even though he had done so much, he started to drift. And you may remember the story. King David had done lots of, uh, lots of uh, great things for the, for the nation of Israel, won many battles, honoured God in all that he was doing. But as he got older in life, he decided to send his army off to do all the fighting without him. Thought that he'd take a bit of long service leave. And and, and in that process, he found himself up on the roof. And as he was up on the roof, he saw, I'm not sure how, he saw Bathsheba bathing on another roof. And he said to himself, I like what I see. And because I'm king, I'm going to get what I see. And so he ordered that Bathsheba came, came and, and, and was with him. You can read it any way you like, but basically he had power over a woman and she had no recourse to say anything about anything. And he basically sexually violated her, in my opinion. That was his lust led into that. And he thought he would cover it over. Thought he could just send her back. She was married to one of his commanders. Thought he could send her back and it would all be okay. He just had a, a moment of weakness. But then she fell pregnant. And her husband was off at war. How was she going to explain it? 
And so David goes, well, you know what? I'm going to bring her husband home from the war. He's going to come, be excited to see his wife. He's going to lay with his wife and then she will be pregnant and it will be his baby and everything will be good. And, but her husband was an upright man and he didn't go home. He stayed with the rest of the soldiers and said, look, if they can't go and be with their wives, I'm not going to be with my wife either. And David was stumped and his hiding of his sin just started getting deeper and deeper and he started to, to try and work out how he could get himself out of this mess. He could have at the very beginning said, you know what, God, I've done wrong and I've wronged this woman and I've wronged you and I'm just going to come clean. But because sin has the nature of hiding things, he dug himself deeper and deeper down. And so when plan C didn't work, he went to plan D. And the plan D was to send his husband back to war and ask the commanders to leave him exposed so the enemy would kill him. And that's what happened. And David go, I think I've got away with it. I think I've got away with it. But God sees everything. And God asks a prophet called Nathan to come to him. And and basically Nathan goes, you know what? I want to tell you a story. He's a smart guy, Nathan. He said, there was once this rich guy who had many sheep and this other guy who had one. And when this guy who had many sheep, a friend came to visit... He, he went and, and took the one sheep off of this guy and killed it and gave it to as a feast. And David gets enraged. It's really quite interesting, isn't it, when you're in the depths of your sin, how you're really quick to point the figure at everybody else's sin. He gets enraged and he goes, how dare this person? If he's got plenty, and David had plenty of wives plenty how would he go and steal the one sheep of this poor fellow and Nathan goes that's you David that's you that's what you've done with Bathsheba and his heart breaks see the interesting thing about David being called a man after God's own heart it's not that he was perfect, it's what he did when he erred. It's what he did when he realised that he was at fault. And for David, he comes back to a place where I think is really important for us to look at of how he comes towards God when he realised that he has sin within him. It's from Psalm 51, 1 to 12. This is David's prayer to God. Have mercy on me. Always a great place to start. O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from all my sin. Iniquity is just wrongdoing. For I know my, transition, my 
transgressions and my sin is always before me. So what's David doing right here? He's stopping and when he comes to a realisation that his heart has turned dark, that there's something broken inside of him, he goes, you know what, I'm not going to try and fix this by myself. I'm going to come to God and ask God to do a work inside of me. He comes and realizes that God is the place of his salvation. God is the only one who can transform his pain and his guilt and his shame and his hiding and do something about it. And it's a great lesson for us, for the shame and the guilt that you're hiding inside of you. God's the only place that you can come to receive renewal and be at peace. He goes on. Against you and only you have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. So you you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. He's opening himself up for judgment. And surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even from the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, which is a herb, and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let my bones you have crushed rejoice. So what's David doing here? He's basically not hiding his sin anymore. He's saying, God, you are the one who can save me and I'm going to stop hiding what I have done. I'm going to come to you and I'm going to confess what is going on inside of my heart. It is the hardest yet the easiest thing that you can do. Have you ever gone up to someone that you're in conflict with and tried to start a conversation? All the mental energy that goes up before the conversation is far more painful than the conversation itself. All, all, the, all the things that you've thought about, the pot- potential scenarios, how they're going to react and what they're going to say, it's just a fraction of what happens when you actually go up and go, you know what, we need to talk. And it's the same with God when we come and we ask him to forgive our sins. We've got all this thing going on in the back of our mind going, is God going to forgive us? Is God going to love us? Is God going to still accept us? But when we get there, we just realise that he will and that he does. And so David realises that God is the one who cleans. God is the one who forgives. So he says, hide your face from my sins, blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So here we have David who 
who realises that God's the answer, God's the solution to the brokennesses that is in, he comes realising that he can't hide anything anymore because he's already shown when Nathan the prophet came that God sees everything anyway. But the tendency of us human beings is to hide in the bushes like God doesn't know. So he realises that the best thing to do is just come clean. You know what, God, I have stuffed up. You know what, God, I'm sick of hiding. You know what, God, I I, I need you to do something. And then he realizes that only God and only God can heal the brokenness, that can cleanse the heart and can give us back the joy of our salvation. Because the fundamental issue that you and I have is the fact that we need a new heart. And I don't know about you, but I've yet to come across anyone who can do heart surgery on themselves. Both physically or spiritually. And a lot of self-help books will be telling you that, you know what, you can, all you have to do is be more disciplined and you can get over. Scripture says you need a heart transplant. You need to come to God, realise that you're broken, ask God to... Uh, confess what's been going on in your, thing, uh, in your soul and then allow God to cleanse and renew your heart and renew a right spirit within you. Because ultimately God is a loving parent who like uh, all of us just want our children to be great and to be wonderful and to contribute You know, Kelly and I, when we had our kids, we didn't think we want them to be the terror of the world. When we had our kids, we said we want them to love God and we want them to love people. We want them to be a blessing to this world. We want to see God use them in remarkable ways and we discipline them and encourage them and love them into that experience by the grace of God. And that's what God wants for you and me. He doesn't want you to stay broken. He doesn't want you to stay hidden. He doesn't want you to carry this burden anymore. He wants to be proud that you are free and that you're living in the grace that he has for you. And I've seen this over the last couple of months as I've been praying for people to give their life to Jesus. One of the things I ask when we finish praying is, how do you feel? And there's not one person who has said, you know what? Nothing. Every single person goes, I don't know, I just feel this joy. I feel lighter. I feel clean. And that's what God wants for you and me as a loving parent. He wants us to be clean. So I want to ask you this morning, are you sick and tired of trying to fix your own life? Are you you sick and tired of trying to be in control? Are you sick and tired of hiding the dirt that you have in your life? Those things that you watch, those things that you do, those thoughts that you have, Are you sick of them? 
Are you sick of being broken and not knowing how to put yourself back together? Are you sick of your heart being hard and your conversations and your words with people are just harsh and bitter and horrid? Are you sick of that? Because our job as brothers and sisters is not to judge you, but to help you. God sent Nathan to David, not so it would cause his destruction, so he could bring healing and wholeness, not just to David, but to the whole land. If we come to God, he promises that he will forgive this is what it says in 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us, some translations say cleanse us, of all unrighteousness. It's a pretty simple message. But the Holy Spirit needs to be doing something in you for you to realize that you need Him. And if you are sick of, of your brokenness, sick of your darkness, sick of your hiding, then maybe the Spirit of God is saying to you, now is the time. Because the good news is, is that God's got a solution to your ills. God's got a solution to your pain. You don't have to do it your way. You don't have to do it in your strength. Now, when Nathan came to David and David wept and prayed this prayer, it didn't magically fix all that was going on in his life. All it did is send him down the right path. And when you come to God with your brokenness, with your pain, it's not magically going to fix it overnight, but it's going to set you on the right path. God wants the best for you. And the best for you is that you're free of this stuff. And that you, as it says in the, in the last verse, verse 12, it says, and then you'll receive the joy the joy of your salvation. So will you stand with me, please, if you're able. And I'm wondering this morning whether you're sick and tired of doing it your way. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to respond this morning uh, just where you are as a, as a starting place but I've got to say that if, if God has gripped you this morning, then you need to come forward for prayer and have people pray with you. But if you're sick of doing it your own way, you're sick of carrying and hiding your own sin, just as, as you close your eyes now and bow your heads, if that's you, just put your hand on your heart, saying, God, I need a new heart. I need a new heart. I'm sick of doing it my way. I want to do it your way. Just place your hands on your heart and say, God, I need you. I need you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I, 
I thank you for those that that you're calling to be clean. And Lord, I, I ask, Lord, that you do a work in their heart right now. As they come before you and say, God, I'm sick of doing it my way. I want to do it yours. I'm sick of hiding all this dirty brokenness from the world. And I, and I want it to be healed and I want to be whole. So Lord, will you come to us now as we respond to you? And bring your joy and your goodness as we say, God, we're sorry. Sorry that we've done it your, our way and not yours. Sorry that we've tried to hide things. Will you bring back to us the joy of our salvation? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.